episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Loaded Sport. Yet another week of action across all the different sports that we like to discuss and yet another huge weekend coming up. We've got so much to talk about tonight. We've got Man City now top of the table in a cup final and by the time we record the next episode they will have had the first leg against Real Madrid. So we're going to talk tonight on the potential of a a treble winning season uh, we've also got big sam back in at leeds four games to go leeds in a relegation battle what can he do to turn their season around and get them in the premier league for another year uh, we're also going to talk about a little bit regarding the national league and the upcoming playoffs and adam's thoughts on uh, chesterfield's potential road to success and uh, if he thinks chesterfield have used links that other teams don't have to get them where they are after him slating Wrexham recently and, and their money and, and what that's done for them. Uh, Kempis Combat Corner, we're also going to be previewing UFC 288 coming up this weekend. We've got plenty of F1 action with Baku to be reviewed and Miami to be previewed. Uh, an update in the Premier League of darts. We are just one week away, lads, from attending it. But we've got Leeds last week and Manchester this week to discuss. And also the NFL draft has come and gone. We're going to have a look at our team's picks, what we're happy with, what we're not too sure with. And we're also going to give you our definitive number one favourite and best fit from the draft overall. First of all, as always, we are going to have the latest edition of the Listener Lock-In. We are now in to the final three. And joining us tonight, off the back of Edo's performance last week of two out of six, we have got Liam. Liam, how are you doing, mate? Hi, fellas. Thanks for having me on. All good. Yeah, all good, always. Good, good. Now, we're going to start off with the question that we ask every single one of our guests. And we, we had a bit of a clump of Derby fans at one point. But other than that, we have had a, a good spread so far this season. But who do you support and why? So, I'm Swindon, born and bred. Grew up in the town. Um, been a season ticket holder since I was eight, so 20 years now. Um Started with, funnily enough, a 1-0 loss at home to Crew. so I, don't ask me how that started. But um, I think the main main sort of love for the club came with the, the uh, Dennis Wise era, the 2006 promotion. And from there, really, not looked back, home and away. Yeah, and Adam, do you want to chip in with losing at Wembley to, to Chesterfield or do we just let that one go? No, mate, we've had plenty of time uh, making my comments clear about that. He actually was one of the few people that agreed with me and said that we deserved to win that game as well. There were plenty of Swindon fans that told me that Chesterfield weren't the better side and we should have lost that game. But no, we walked out with a 2-0 win. We lifted the trophy and Craig Westcott even got on the score sheet who uh, we can say as much as we want about, Liam, yeah? Fair enough, but oh, go on, Liam, go on. No, I was going to say, I, I don't know what conversation you think you've had there, Adam, but yeah, we'll, we'll go with it, seeing as it's uh, your podcast. Yeah. Is God, it? Adam. I want to dive into that a bit more. That's, <laughs> that's fiery comeback, that. That is, uh, that, that's some sour memories, that. <laughs> Craig, Craig Westcott, I'm sure still have nightmares about him somewhere. Yeah. Shouldn't have been on the field, should he? No. I reckon we could just have... Uh, Look how fucking coy Adam is with that. He should yeah. be on the field, should he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen him so full smug. every smirk in here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Definitely. Well, as someone that uh, many, many years ago lived in Swindon, and um, I, 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 I remember one game I went to, and like I don't know if it's Mandela effect, but I want to say Boxing Day 1996. That's sort of where I've always thought. I feel like they beat like an Oldham 3-0. I've absolutely butchered that. I'm going to have to Google that at some point because I feel like that is true, and I was there. But is the county ground still one of the rustiest stadiums in, the, in English football, or have they start, sorted it out over the last 25 or so years? Oh, I think given some of the football league grounds that I've gone to, I think that's probably Rusty Stadium's a bit cruel. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the the club and the uh, the trust have gone into a fifty fifty venture with the uh, to buy the ground from the council now, so that's now owned in a fifty fifty venture. Um, the owner Clem's got sort of lots of plans to renovate and rejuvenate that state the stadium, so that you know there's lots and lots of plans and talks. So hopefully. You weren't too happy with it previously. Give it a few years and, you know, you might see a brand spanking new renovated stadium, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. But, yeah, don't think it's the worst in the Football League, that's for sure. <laughs> like I said, my brain says 96, so that is, it, that is a long, long, long time ago and a lot will have changed since then. So yeah, and they might be in League One, but Hillsborough is a, still a, a, a Football League ground. So, unfortunately, you're not going to talk about any stadium being rustier than that at the moment, unfortunately. Fair enough. Any opportunity to get a dig in on the owls, eh? Um, but onto onto this season, Liam. So Swindon, one game left to play, uh, which we played on Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, it position wise, mid table they sit tenth, but in terms of points off the playoffs, they are um, what seventeen points off. So you know, quite a bit off of of being in that playoff race, but comfortable in the in their overall finish. What are your thoughts on the season? What have they lacked and, and what do you think they need to do over the summer to get themselves in the playoff hunt next year? I, I think, you know, it's no secret that the club have had a, probably a disappointing season in terms of performance. I think they were quite public as, as a club in saying, you know, the aim was promotion. I think there was a lot of signs and talk about that being the aim. Um, obviously just missing out really on the playoff final last year by a penalty pretty much against Port Vale. You know, um, one of those penalties goes in and we're at Wembley. I think anyone would have given Mansfield a run for their money the way they turned up last year at, at Wembley. Um, in the summer, just, you know, lost a lot of key players, lost the manager. He, you know, Ben Garner went to Charlton. Um, we lost, you know, experienced players that got to that playoff final. Jack Payne, Jojo Woolacott, uh, Harry McCurdy, who was the talisman. Um you know, let Scott Lindsay, who was the assistant at the time, take us take us on. And in January, we were sat in the playoffs looking quite good. Signed Charlie Austin, quite a big statement of intent to get promoted. Um, and then the wheels come off again. Scott Lindsay leaves for Crawley. Uh, ben Gladwin goes to Crawley. We lose Lou Reed to Mansfield. Angus McDonald, who was our captain at the time, goes to Aberdeen. And we just lose the spine of the team and the experience. And it sort of... It, it goes wrong from there where you don't go and get that experience. You know, it's no secret. It's one of the youngest squads in the in, in League Two. I think from Saturday against Crewe, the average age of the starting 11 was, was 22. Um, Jody Morris came in and sort of after Scott Lindsay and four wins from 18. Um, we've just fell short, not being able to hold the leads. Um you know, I can't remember how many games that we've gone into the 80th minute being 1-2-0 up and then lose the game. Um, you know, it happened to us certain in February, 1-0 up. Uh, and it looked like that was sort of the turn that we needed. And then, you know, two goals in the last 10 and we're losing that game. So, um, yeah, I think just the inability to hold hold a lead, lack of experience in the team, that's probably just, just where they've fallen short. 
a lack of experience changes over time though. So hopefully a good foundation to build on over the next season or two. Um, but no, appreciate the insight there. What we'll do now is we'll get stuck in to the uh, the listener lock-in and the predictions just to very quickly. I know I mentioned it earlier, but Ado joined us last week, scored two out of six, landing his uh, wild card and his lock. Um, and lads, overall, it was a pretty good week. All of us getting two out of three. Um, first time for quite a while that we've done that. So let's try and do one better and see if one of us can uh, hit three out of three this week, especially with it being the last weekend of full league football. So a real big opportunity to get three out of three, ready for a Premier League only end to the season. But uh, as always, we are going to start with you, Liam. I've sent you over the information, but yeah. for from Friday to Monday, from the Premier League down to and including the National League playoffs, who is your one team? Who is your lock? you're most confident we'll get a win this weekend. I'm going to go for Stockport to beat Hartlepool. I think Hartlepool already down. Um, Stockport on a great run of form. Uh, you know, I, I just think they're just going to go and, and, and get the win. Whether, whether that Tram may do them a favour or not, I don't know. But yeah, we'll go Stockport, win at Hartlepool. That was my number one. Yeah, yeah me too. So... And three motherfuckers and Kemp's nodding, so potentially four motherfuckers there for, for you for picking <laughs> stuff. Wiped us all out there. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So it's down to the wheel. Uh, Sam, you've been th- uh, first two out of the last three weeks and second in the other week. Um, are you going to have the same look today? I will spoil it and say that no, you are not first this week. <laughs> Up first with their second their, or their first backup pick, it is Aggie. Get in. Um, I'm stuck between two, but I think the one I'm going to go with is Man City to win at home to Leeds. <laughs> Just so Sam can't take it, I'm going to go for it. For, for the record, for the record, I've not Again, even got that written down. The, that's like deja vu, that's copy and paste, isn't it? Uh, Man yeah. City were actually, for once, my first backup. I, I can't recall actually going for them. Maybe I have once, but... Tough week, I think, this week, actually, picking these. I, I did struggle with a couple. Yeah, last uh, last game of the season for a lot of people. A lot of games where there's nothing to play for. So yeah. tough Burnley's to pick. What Sheffield United's? They've uh, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Tough. That's, yeah, that's the one. So quite important to get a high pick then. And up next, Sam, your luck is still in. You're up. Ooh, flying with these at minute. Um, so ooh, right. So I think this is quite controversial. I'm going for an away win, which is quite unusual on the lock. And I'm going for Bolton to win away at Bristol Rovers. Okay. Uh, Bolton have only lost once in the last five. It can cement a playoff a home game with the win. Um, and Bristol Rovers have lost four out of the last five, drawing the other today, even one in five. So, yeah, I'm just going to go for Bolton to win away at Bristol Rovers. So, you mean Bolton. you're selling out? What? You're selling out. The amount of times you gave me grief for picking away teams. Yeah, you've had them some right shit about picking there's an away bit, team. Shall there's there's a bit of difference in, in last game at season when it's a bit slim pickings and I've had not, not much to go at. You've moaned at me picking Man City, so here we go, picking Bolton away. At least <laughs> yeah, I've not but... picked fucking a dying Nottingham Forest away at, away at Blackpool. <laughs> and <we> got <laughs> that well, that's never going to be beaten in terms no, of badness. So don't fucking start yeah. throwing shade here, boy. <laughs> you saw that, It'll mate, that's it. You. Well, I'm glad you went Bolton because I've got two picks left and um, I am yet again, this wheel hates me since I started doing it. I am last. So, Kemp, you are up next, but I'm fine in the knowledge knowing that if you do take one of the teams I've got written down, I have got one more backup. So, and Kemp, I've got a sneaky feeling we might have the same teams, but okay. let's just go with it. Uh, go. I'm going to go with Liverpool at home against Brentford. 
Um, <clears throat> Liverpool have been in fine form, chasing top four. Uh, and I think, yeah, that they've won five of the last five. They're really starting to look like the Liverpool of old a little bit again now. So Liverpool at home against Brentford. And I did have one more just as a backup, just in case. And I'll let you know if 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 who you say, Dawson, uh, were my backup. Okay, well, I will say that uh, Liverpool were neither of the two, and I'm going to take the one team I've got left. My backup to that is Brighton at home to Everton, but I'm a little bit unsure on that. Um, so no, I'm going to go. No, not County. No, because playoffs any given Sunday, you never know what can happen. Wow, mm-hmm. uh, as as we'll discuss later with Aggie. But uh, Sam, I'm joining you on the away train, my friend. I'm right there with you. I'm there taking Ipswich to beat Fleetwood. Ipswich, flying form. Fleetwood, absolutely not. Um, and Ipswich, with a win, have the potential to win the <clears> League One. They're a point behind Plymouth, so need a win to give themselves a chance, well, other than goal difference. But you'll assume they're going to go all out to take the win. So I'll take Ipswich this week as my lock. Angus raging here. We all away picks, isn't it? I'm not raging, mate. You've yeah. joined my side. I go for away teams on locks regularly. That's fine. Kemp, just for the record, who was the other team that you had ready? Notts County. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, down as well. That's fair. On to the scorers. And Liam, yet again, you get the benefit of picking first. So, who is the one player from the same days, from the same leagues, you are most confident will put the ball in the back of the net this weekend? So, yeah, sticking with the League 2, I'm going to go with uh, Andy Cook to score against Leighton Orient. It's my first pick again. (laughs) I think Leighton Orient probably on the beach now done the job Bradford don't need a win but need a convincing scoreline just to keep themselves in the playoffs and make sure they don't get pipped um, and obviously a win depending on other results gives them a bit of a home advantage so I think yeah 28 goals this year I think he's a shoe in to score I've just had an absolute nightmare by the way I've just been sitting here thinking as Charlie Nicholas would say and I've just said Bolton are playing for a home playoff game and then I've just sat yeah. there and thought wait it's a fucking two-leg playoff match. Well, I'm thinking NFL, aren't I? Where it's one and done. Oh my god! You're thinking, you're thinking National League North, where you play yeah. final at your home stadium. <laughs> That's an absolute nightmare there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. To be fair to you, mate, none of us picked you up on it, so we're, no. we're just as bad. So you can have it. That one. Uh, me going last on the locks means I go first on the scorers and yes Liam you have taken my first pick uh, yeah. for both lock and scorers so far so if you have a good week and I don't I'm going to be absolutely fuming but um, it is what it is now I'm going to go with a player that isn't necessarily in good goal, goal, good goal scoring form but is somebody that I've wanted to pick for a few weeks and if I'm going to pick in between now and the end of the season this is probably the best time to do it I'm going to take Matoma for Brighton at home to Everton uh, as I mentioned a minute ago, I do think Brighton will get the win. If they don't, they should score some goals and uh, he's one of their best attacking threats. So I'm going to take him while I've got the opportunity before the season ends. I'm going to take Matoma for Brighton. Um, oh, and that means nice. Kemp... It is, mate. I thought it'd go a little bit different. You could you mm. could have your Langstaffs, your Chaplins, your Harlands, but... Hey, you're one that said, picks fucking Langstaff. <laughs> I know, and he never scores when I do. He's <laughs> not scored in about five games this season. It's every time I've picked him. Um, but Kemp, you were second last for the locks, which means you get to go up next for the score. Who yeah, have you got? very, very nice of you in terms of uh, picking a player that you wanted to pick for a while. You know, get it in there just for the end of the season. I yeah. don't give a flying fuck. I want to get. <laughs> I, want, I want a goal scorer. I want a tick. So uh, I'm going early in Holland as it happens. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll, I'll bear that little dig in mind for if and when Matoma bags uh, a goal. Oh, it's not a dig, mate. It's, it's, you know, if it comes in, fair play, well done. 
But I'm just, not doing it for sentimental reasons. <laughs> I want to fucking win. Just, yeah. uh, just, do, just do us a favour, Skins. Go and get, go ahead and put a ticket side of Kemp's uh, score already. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, was he your number one pick this week? Me? Yeah. yeah. No, no, right. no okay, again, yeah, I've, I've avoided him. I've avoided City and Haaland completely. So okay. Well, for once, it's not a... I'm scrambling, so I'm going to have to take Haaland. You're going to actually get to pick who you've researched on. So who are you going for? Right. So I've got two, and I'm going to choose... It's a bad decision when you choose heart overhead in it, but I'm going to do yeah. it. I'm going to choose David McGoldrick to score away at Chef Wednesday. I knew Kemp would love that. Uh, yeah, it's 22 league goals this season. He's been an absolute pinnacle in everything Derby doing. Obviously, Derby is still uh, playing for a, like, that last playoff spot for Peterborough. Both teams got two hard games. Obviously, Derby away at Chef Wednesday and um, Peterborough away at Barnsley, is it, I think? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go David, David McGoldrick to bag. As soon as he said, "That'd be a dream." Go on, Dave. Go on, Dizzy. Yeah. As soon as he said he's going hard overhead, I knew what was coming. But uh, no, why not? He's had a great season, I'd just say. So why not get it in on the on the last game? Um, Aggie, Ollie Watkins is still available. Is he your pick, or are you going somewhere else? I've got him written down. I'm not going to go with him. <laughs> I've actually got four written down. I've got Chaplin, Macaulay, Langstaff, and Ollie Watkins as your typical ones, and. As much as it may sound quite typical, I'm going for Harry Kane for Spurs against Crystal Palace. I know Crystal Palace have picked up a little bit of form, but they're safe. They don't need to worry about relegation anymore. And if Spurs ever seem to score, it seems to just be coming from Harry Kane all the time. So I'm going to go with him. Why not? Why not? So that's the scorers. Liam, you've took most of our first, well, all of our first choice for the lock. You've took my first choice for the scorer. Who are you going to upset this time with the first pick on the wild card? It depends if you're going to count this one as a wild card, but I'm going to go Burton to beat uh, MK Dons because I, yes. uh, I think Burton mid-table, you'd expect them to be on the beach. Bit difficult, but I think you know there's a fair few football fans out there that would uh, like to see MK Dons come down a league. Yeah, well, Burton are currently five to two with MK Dons. Even some mates who are more than welcome to take Burton as your wild card this weekend. And based on your logic, I'm surprised at the gap in the odds. So. Uh, Solid pick, mate. Um, so, Ag, we're back round to you. I've only got two wild cards, so I really hope it's not a repeat of last week where I was scrambling like fuck. Let's hope I can get through these next three picks with at least one of those two intact. Just, Who you just, for, for? The, just, for, just for the record there, I, I celebrated way too early. When I had, uh, Liam had, had picked uh, Burton, I, uh, or whoever it was, I celebrated early, thinking it would be me picking next, and uh, Aggie's definitely about to pick who I've got. No, okay. mate, have you just got have you just got the one ready have you or? I've got three I have got three but the other two okay. are very very questionable okay I'm going to leave Who you, you to have idea? Derby to win on Wednesday I'm going to go there's one game that I did see and I thought this is crazy that it's a wild card but I'm going to go with it and that's Bournemouth to win at home to Chelsea ah, that was it that was it <laughs> <laughs> bastard the other one I'd got written down was Arsenal away at Newcastle um, I was quite surprised that that were a wild card um, but I've stuck with Bournemouth to win at home to Chelsea Fair. Be... Seeing as I'm, uh, seeing as I'm second, I may as well just, uh, just follow up straight to that because Arsenal away at Newcastle was my backup. Uh, so yeah, put me down for Arsenal away at Newcastle. I've done and will do. And with one pick left, I've still got my two, so I'm very, very happy. Kemp, who are you taking? I'm taking Coventry against Middlesbrough. Coventry have been in fine form over the past few weeks, and Middlesbrough, your boy, uh, has unfortunately dropped off a little bit, Dawson, at the helm there. Um, a little stat floating around social media recently. Uh, Michael Carrick, the second coming, and all this bollocks. Checking out, I'd have actually picked up more points than Middlesbrough since Carrick joined the club. 
or you know, whatever media will do what media does. Uh, and I'm going to Coventry to beat Middlesbrough to uh, to upset Dawson even further. No, I'm absolutely fine, mate, because both of the picks I uh, had prepped have not gone. So I'm going to take my first choice pick this week. Aggie, you'll be happy with this. And it's Colchester to win at home against Mansfield. Uh, Mansfield are pushing. that They've got a chance at a playoff spot, but it's going to be tough. Um, And Colchester in in pretty good form. So I I think, yeah, I'll take Colchester this week. Tough one this week on the wild cards, I thought, especially with it being the last game for a lot of teams. So... Yeah, I'll I'll happily take them. So, Liam, we've got your lock, we've got your scorer, and we've got your wild card, which means we have three games left. I've sent them over to you, and I've gone League 2 just uh, for, for the last game, some, some playoff implications in there. But first game, as always, the team that you support. So, Swindon versus Crawley, what have you got as the score for Swindon's last game of the season? So, obviously, with Jody Morris gone, Gav Gunning's going to take over as the... Uh... Interim manager. Last time he did that earlier in the season, we beat Grimsby 5-0. So I think you're going to get a response and I'm going to go swinging 3-0 against Crawley. Crawley got nothing to play for either. So play a response, 3 or 4-0, but I'll go 3-0. Hope you get it, okay. mate, with big Gav Gunning as well. Absolute yeah. rock at the back. Yeah. Love that. Is, that a, is that a heart decision or a head decision? I think, in all fairness, it's a bit of both. You know, Scott Lindsay's gone in and done his job at Crawley, kept them up. But I think, yeah, you know, under Gav Gunning, a few players might want to have a bit to prove. Yeah, bit of both. Head says 1 0, heart says 5 0. So you've met in the middle and gone 3 0, yeah. yeah? Yeah, we'll go with it. I like, I like it. I like it. Solid logic. Um, and we're going to your lot. We know who you think is going to win based on your lot being Stockport. But Stockport versus Hartlepool, what have you got as the uh, scoreline there? So I've gone for a drill in there, 5-0. I think Stockport will run right. Interesting. Very good form. Paddy Madden leading the way. I'm sure he'll fancy a goal or two this weekend. Uh, and finally, another team that you did mention earlier when discussing you like you mentioned Tramia potentially doing Stockport a favour and getting a result at Northampton. Are you committing to that with your score prediction or do you think Northampton will have enough to give them the shot at the automatic promotion? I, I am, so I, I went to Tramir away with Swindon and they sat deep, defended pretty pretty well and hit us on the counter-attack. And I think they'll do exactly the same for Northampton. I think it will sit as a nil-nil. I think the longer the game goes on, Northampton are going to get a bit of deja vu from last year and uh, fall at the final hurdle again. OK, OK. So, the score to beat still is three, held by Chris Big and Paul Martin. And they said Chris Martin, but uh, that's a different person. Um, so, just to confirm your picks for this week, Luck is Stockport. Scorer is Andy Cook for Bradford. Wildcard is Burton. Swindon to beat Crawley 3-0. Stockport to beat Hartlepool 5-0. Tranmere to beat Northampton 0-0. What's your prediction for how many you're going to get right out of six? I'll go confident now. I reckon there's a, there's a good four in there. that I, think. I, I, I do fancy Andy Cook and uh, Stockport as a definite. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll go, I'll be ambitious. I'll go four, let's say. Let's go. This time next week, we could potentially have a new leader when we're discussing the scores. I like the confidence in but look at uh, looking at Sam and Adam's reaction to that. I think they do too. Um, but yeah, real pleasure, pleasure having you on, mate. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Swindon do in the, in the summer, see if they can push on for the playoffs next year. I'm sure you'll enjoy a little uh, little trip to Wembley potentially for a playoff final. They're, they're long overdue it. But uh, we're going to close off on the question before we let you drop out and we crack on with the rest of the show. I'm going to give you the question that we end with everyone and that is, who is your sporting hero and why? Oh, you've, you've caught me out there on that one. Um, oh, Jesus. I wasn't expecting that one. Um, 
it used to be Ryan Giggs, but obviously, you know, given it, <laughs> given Holy the recent turmoil, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's not that's not gone very well nowadays. Homer um, Simpson gift just backing off into the bush. I, I think for me, probably Tyson Fury is one that you can, you can hit home with quite a lot. The mental health stuff that he's come through and come back back to win the world, you know, world title, he sort of hit a real low and to come back into it. I think that's someone to. To think about, but yeah, you've, you've caught me off off, off radar there. <laughs> it, it never tells uh, it never tells people about that last question. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's, that's, spot. that's caught me up, but yeah, gr- growing up, the other one was Michael Schumacher. I think you know Formula One. I think that's that's where my love for Formula One came in. Um, dominated. You've picked, a, you've picked a very interesting three there. Yeah, imagine dinner party. Schumacher, ten years ago, not now. <laughs> Yeah, you've caught me on the spot there. That I don't want to say it. Under pressure, that one. No, they're they solid picks, and like like Sam said, it'd be an interesting dinner party. Plenty of backgrounds, plenty of uh, different careers, and yeah, um, I, I think they're solid picks, mate. But again, we really appreciate the time. Hope you enjoy the evening, mate, and uh, good luck to you with the your picks for the listener lock in. All right, cheers, fellas. Cheers, Thanks, Liam. Cheers, Thanks, mate. Cheers. Glad you said it, Sam, because I were I'm biting my tongue trying not to say something, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> it is. You never know what zingers will come out uh, when we're recording live without edits and all the way straight through. Uh, and we'll, just a uh, quick one. You know, when I was doing, I was doing my uh, research earlier, I stumbled across. Um, you know what the odds are for Everton to win away at uh, Brighton this this um, coming? Is it Monday? Is it? Uh, it is. Go on. Seven to one. When have Everton ever been seven to one in past to beat fucking Brighton? It just shows the the, the disparity between two clubs at I minute. Mean, I don't think Brighton's that good at minute. I think they've right dropped off over since that cup for semi final from United. I don't think they've uh, responded very well. So I think a well, seven to one shot for Everton needing you know a relegation scrap. I don't think it's too bad or bad. I hate to be that guy, but they beat Wolves six 0 last weekend, so that might have something to do with it. And. Uh... Playing United at the minute, which was nil nil at the last check in, but let's do a very quick live check in. It is still nil nil at half time. But um, Sam, I'm going to stay with you for our first subject. And, and as I said at the start of the show, that is Manchester City. So, recent results that they won again last night, three second half goals. They won at the weekend. They're now top of the table with a game in hand still to go against Brighton, who we just mentioned there. As we know, we, we've spoke about already, they're due to being the cup final against Manchester United. Um, is a bit of a late one this year, but uh, they're there and ready to go. And, and by the time we, we record uh, next week, or, well, actually, we might not because we're at darts, but by the time next week's episode's released, they will have played the first leg of that Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid. So, based on that, based on where we currently stand, we've not really spoke about it too much, but Manchester City and the treble, based on what they've got in front of them now, is it nailed on or are there hurdles in the way? I think there's a there's a fair Madrid-shaped hurdles and United-shaped hurdles. I mean, the cup final. Picture this, though. They go on to win the Premier League, which I think it's quite comfortable in saying now, Kempi. Take me up after you. We've, we've had this. Yeah, obviously, they go, if they go, say they go on to win the Premier League, they go on to win the Champions League. Picture that. It's the last game of the season. It's Man City against Man United. The, cup, the FA Cup final is after the Champions League final. Is it, it really? Yeah, yeah it's late. This so it, so it will not, be... see, that's not usually the case, is no, it? It's not, it no, it's not. No, it's not at all. Yeah, oh. so it's um, so it'll be down to Manchester United to defend their honour of the only treble winners. So 
that game could have massive implications. Not, not, not that it already into being a cup final, but just picture that. Then Historical being implications, though, more yeah. than anything else in that respect. Yeah, huge, absolutely huge, and it's United defending because it's own. the same three trophies, isn't it? It's the yeah. Premier League, it's, the it's, 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 it's the it's, it's yeah. not, it's not. Yeah, well, well, is a very, very quick discussion point. If you win the Premier League, the League Cup, and the Champions League, is it the same treble? No, no, it's no. not the no. same as Liverpool winning Premier League, no. a League Cup, oh, and no, no, UEFA no, no, Cup. No, but no, no, the but treble. The yeah, treble, the treble does not involve the that's league. That's not what Liverpool. Oh, yeah, they won the FA Cup. Liverpool win UEFA Cup, FA Cup, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, but that's but, yeah, but that's interesting to me because, in my opinion, the League Cup and the FA Cup are pretty much the same thing. Not for me. Not for why. The the treble. I, 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 I think we both know. I think all four of us sitting here know that the FA Cup is far more prestigious than the Cup. No, I know. I get it's more prestigious, but in terms of that's why playing on the pitch. That's on why, the pitch, it's, it's more prestigious. So yeah, do you think all ninety-minute games are the same thing when you put it down to that, aren't they? No, but I mean the competition is the same thing. It's not as if you're comparing the Champions League to the Johnston's Paint Trophy, is it? No, I think no, the, it's, it's, the, it's different. The EFL Cup's like the best team in the top four or five divisions. The FA Cup well, so is, is the, the best. Cup. No, it's not. It's the best team in England because even the lower-ranked teams are included within that. But then, but they never get anywhere near. They so don't, but that, that, that doesn't matter, does it? That's irrelevant. They're, they're actually Lloyd competing Christmas. in it, whereas in the EFL Cup, they're not. <laughs> Lloyd Christmas, Lloyd in it. Christmas. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I can't agree with you on that one. I agree with no, you. No, 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 I'm not things, saying that's but... the point. I'm not saying that's the point. I agree that the Premier League, the Champions League and the FA Cup is the treble, but it's an interesting conversation point from my perspective. It's that treble. It's the League treble. Cup and the FA Cup yeah. are not historically... But on the pitch, very, very, very similar in my opinion. They're a domestic yeah, what you're for the top yeah, division. So interesting talking point. But yeah, it's going to be uh, historical implications big time. And yeah, Man uh, United will want to do everything they can to stop that from happening. I think if um, I do think if it's, it's, we've already discussed that with the winner of Madrid or City, I think we'll, we'll go on to win the Champions League. Obviously, neither Milan teams going to like that statement, um, and they're obviously going to do everything they can to you know upset the party, but. I would think whoever's coming out of this next semi-final is probably going to be the one that goes on to win it. And it, like I say, it's, it's all down to that that United FA Cup final. That just salivating at the thought of that now. Like it, and and yeah, I didn't actually. I knew it was later on in the season this year, but I didn't actually realise the FA Cup final was after the Champions League final. So if City have lifted the Premier League trophy, if they beat Madrid, and then one of the Milan teams to win the Champions League, and it all comes down on the third of June. Which is when it is because it's Coldplay Etihad Day, which I was surprised to see. Um, yeah, what a day that will be for both sets of Manchester fans because there's going to be so many implications other than just who's going to be lifting the FA Cup. Uh, United will, if that's not extra incentive, I don't know whatever will be um, than that. So yeah, this time next week will be even clearer because there will be more games played. Premier League title will be even close closer to ending and. City will have played Madrid and, and we'll know how they look in terms of getting to the final. So, very interesting. Hope they don't do it, obviously. But if they're ever going to do it, I think this is their year, personally. Um, but we will see. On to our next subject. And, Kemp, I'm going to come to you for this one, purely for your love of dogged, UK-based, rugged, and all the other Brexit words. Brexit football yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, Brexit football is, is what I'm trying to say without saying it. But relegation battles and, and these old school managers swooping in to get the job done 
in the last few games of the season. We've seen it with Warnock, we see it with Mick McCarthy, we've seen it with them all over the years. But in this scenario, Big Sam is back. Leeds currently 17th, so the one spot out of the relegation zone, but they're only out of it on goal difference. They're right in there, they're right in the thick of it. Big Sam, he's got four games to go. What do you think that he is going to bring to the table or he can bring to the table to ensure lead survival? And do you think he is a man to get that job done? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because Big Sam, he, he said it, he made his he made himself look a bit of a turnip in a press conference. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I don't know if you caught it, boys, where he said uh, in terms of football knowledge and ability, he was on Pep and Klopp's level, which is interesting. I wouldn't disagree with his his, his level of knowledge. Uh, what Big Sam knows about football, you know, we, we would never know in, in 10 lifetimes. And that that is obviously um, a given. Um, done some really good jobs. Uh, you know, Bolton Wanderers, for example, probably the best job that he did there. Um, but has always been seen as that manager, that old school manager that can bring in, get things organised and keep teams in the league and, and get them, you know, doing OK. Um Big Sam seems fired up for it. He seems ready to go. He seems like he's looking forward to the challenge. I think when it comes to can he keep Leeds up, I think that's more about what the other teams do than what Leeds do, to be quite honest with you. You look at Leeds fixtures now, they've got Man City away, where I don't think any of us can probably see him getting anything there. Um, They've then got Newcastle at home, where again, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to get anything from that game. Um, And then they've got West Ham away and then Tottenham at home. Um, those last two fixtures are probably the two fixtures that Big Sam's looking at and saying, right, they're the fixtures we can get points from. And if you look at the table, like you said there, Dawson, they are right in the thick of it. They're on 30 points. They are literally just out of the relegation zone on um, goal difference to Nottingham Forest. I think personally three points would do it, to be honest. I can't see Forest getting picking up three points between now and the end of the season or even more, four points. Um it's it's a very, very difficult one. Put a gun to my head and say, can Big Sam do it? Yes, I think he can. I think he can get in there. I think he can get them organised. I can think he can stop the bleeding in terms of them conceding as many goals as they are right now. But he's not going to do that against City and he's probably not going to do that against Newcastle. So it all comes down to the last two games of the season. Big Sam bringing some organisation in. Um, a bit of passion from that Ellen Road crowd. And fingers crossed for Leeds fans and for Big Sam, he can get the job done. Do I think he can do it? Probably yes, but it is going to be a very, very big ask and uh, it's going to be a very, very tough one. But if it doesn't work, Leeds have spent a lot of money on a manager that's unfortunately taken them down, which is a very, very bad decision if you look at it in that respect. But that's football. That is football indeed. Uh, And Aggie, I'm saving the last question of the football segment for you. Now, this is a question that I put in our Loaded Sport messenger chat the other day. Kemp said it was a good question and to save it, so I deleted it. And you've been sat all week trying to find out what it is. And and this is it, basically. It's more of a, I'm just going to put something out there and let you respond in terms, instead of an outright question. But you, you were quite vigorous and you're quite assertive in terms of your thoughts about Wrexham's success this season and not necessarily that they've bought success but they've had the money and they've had the resource to go and do what they do and get the type of players that they've had come in to ultimately win them the the National League title and get promoted. I want to pose to you some of the uh, pieces that Chesterfield have got found themselves having this season and and over the last sort of season or two and see what your thoughts are. Now uh, Paul Cook 
is a manager that most recently has been at Ipswich in league football, quite high up in league football, you know, certainly not on Chesterfield's level. I don't think he'd be at Chesterfield if he hadn't have been there before, and I don't think he'd be managing any other non-league club. Uh, Armando Dobra is a player that you've said yourself that he's only at Chesterfield because of Paul Cook. He was at Ipswich himself, and do I think and do you think he would be at Chesterfield or any other non-league club, uh, national league club, sorry, if it wasn't for Paul Cook being there? Um, Ollie Banks, centre midfielder, he most recently played for a team that had been promoted in Barrow and has left them to come back to Chesterfield, who he played for before. Uh, Akinola, on loan from Arsenal, and I don't think there's many other teams in the National League that are benefiting from having a player on loan from a Premier League club, despite him not playing a huge amount of time or minutes. Andrew Dallas, who has come in and has been in absolutely phenomenal form these last four, five, six games, is a player that at the time of signing you said, the only reason that he's being signed is because Solihull needs to get him off the books and he's going to be someone that's going to be highly coveted in the summer. So do you think that Chesterfield, despite them not having a Hollywood owner and all the attention and the, the big money that that brings in, do you think that Chesterfield have benefited from the fact that they used to be a league club, so they've got some connections and they've got some ex-players and people that have come back and then they've benefited from that in other people that have followed? And do you think potentially they have also bought their success that's sort of above the ground that they currently stand on or should? Have we bought the success? No. Have we played on previously being a football league club and having the contacts? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's something that comes part and parcel of being a former football league club. Paul Cook, you're absolutely right, would not be at Chesterfield if it wasn't for the fact that he'd previously been with us. But Paul Cook's interview when he re-signed for us was the fact that we gave him a chance to make a name for himself and he took that and, and fair play to him. He went on to manage Portsmouth, Wigan, Ipswich, some other sides played in the championship. I think even with Wigan got a 1-0 win over uh, Pep's Man City in, in the FA Cup one year. So he's had a lot of experience and he's come back because of how much he loved being at the club. Um, Ollie Banks, something very similar. He, he came back because of his experience with the club and he said he really enjoyed it. So yeah, I think from that aspect, you've got to say that we are kind of playing on some of our our previous football league experience. Dobra, Brandon Horton, both players from Ipswich played under Cook before. So yeah, they've they've joined us because of Paul Cook's experience and what they thought of him as a manager, which I think again goes down to the credit that we helped Paul Cook create his own managerial style, really, and push himself further up for his career. I don't think we've bought the league at all. I don't think it's anything like that. I think what we have done is played on the experience that we had in the Football League to help build this portfolio of players to help push us up back into the Football League. Do I think it's going to work? Fingers crossed it does, but it's going to be tough to get past this Notts County side that are a cut above everybody else at the moment in, in the playoffs. Wrexham, Notts County have been fighting admirably all season and it'd be a shame that both of them don't go up. But if it's at the expense of Chesterfield, I'm not going to say it's too much of a shame really, am I? No, it's not. And Sam, you were, you were nodding your head there just as Adam got started with his first couple of statements in his response. What, what are your thoughts? Are you fully with him or, or do you think there is that element of they've benefited where other non-league clubs would have? They've definitely benefited, but I don't think you can hold that against them. I think they'd be absolutely nuts to not benefit from it. It's what you know. It's part and parcel of the, the, the order of the pyramid, really. You, teams come down, you're going to try and use every single bit of resource you've got to get straight back to where you were. So I, I can't really fault them for that. Uh, like you say, players like uh, you know Dobra and that is maybe a slightly different uh, different matter. But no, I think in terms of using your resources that are at your disposal, I, I, I don't think there's much wrong with that myself. 
Mm. And I completely agree with that. that. Well, there you go. Off you go. You're going to say the exact Uh, same thing as me, and you're probably going to phrase it better, so off you go. Well, I completely agree with that, and I completely agree with Adam's point as well, which are similar. So they're using the resources that are available to them to their full advantage. So what's the problem with Wrexham doing that as well? Because it wasn't their fault they got bought. I, I don't have a problem with it. We, we, no, we, I'm, this is to, obviously oh. specifically to Adam. Uh, by the way, I think Kemp's referring to parachute payments in the cha- in the championship. No. Oh, no, we get parachute no. payments my, as my well. Point ex- my point is exactly the same as Dawson's in the sense that Adam's direct quote there is: "We are using the resources that are available to us in the sense that we were, a, uh, you know, a League One club at one point. Yeah, yeah. We're now down in the National League." We're using that to our advantage to attract players. We've got a good manager, good facilities, et cetera, et cetera. This is why he should come and play for us. Ultimately, Wrexham have been bought by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, who've got decent amounts of money for the National League, a lot of exposure. You know, this is why he should come and play for us because we're going to try and get us back up and we've got a lot of exposure, blah, 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 using their facilities and what they've got to their advantage. Exact mm-hmm. same situation. The only difference in Adam's mind, one's Wrexham and one's Chesterfield. Nope. One won the league. And one's doing no. fucking shit. Well, That's one, the difference. know it background. Nope, nope, nope. I wouldn't say third in the National League is doing fucking shit. I'd say well, that's still quite field, a good mate. season. Seen as though you're in, seen as though you were in League One playoffs not too long ago, mate. I'd say that's no, fucking no, point. No, only about what eleven years ago. No, you're absolutely right. Not too long ago. Oh, mate, you've got your bike. Sit down and shut up. Right. Um, the difference is with Wrexham. <laughs> the difference with Wrexham is they've exploited the no salary cap, as if you will put it into NFL terms. In the National League, you can pay whatever. And yes, okay, they might have just benefited from being able to have that money to their advantage and, and used it. I think the issue is more that the way it's come across across BT Sport, across American media and everything to make it this huge, phenomenal thing that now it even looks like some people that are talking on BT Sport haven't got a clue about the National League or any of the other clubs in it at all. It's focused solely on Wrexham. And it it wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the fact that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have, have, have bought them. Should the National well, League would you have... have half of what you had if Paul Cook hadn't come back? Yeah, we'd just not have, what is it, Dobra, Horton, the two players that he signed, Ollie Banks maybe that he brought back that he managed at the time. <laughs> other than that, that's it. We've yeah, still other got... Than that, other than half the squad, that's it. I've named three other players, mate. Three that's not half the squad. Other than our three best players. No, no, no. Football. They're not our three best players. Dobra's very good, but he's been injured most of the season, so I wouldn't put him down as like he's been the most influential player for us this season. There's been plenty of players that put more in. He's, Liam he's, Mandeville. He's been up there, mate. He's been up there. He's got an absolute screamer against Northampton in the second round of FA Cup and he scored two against West Brom in no, the third no, round. No, two, three, when, three. no, it don't go. No, when he's, when he's been playing, he's an incredible player. That's what I've just said. But he's been injured for half of the season. So we can't rely on somebody that's been injured for a long period of time to carry us through a season. You can't put that down to one player. Aggie, Aggie, Aggie. You can't live your life off football manager, mate. You've got to get out there sometimes and see it for yourself. Fuck off. <laughs> I just look, I I I agree with everything that's been said. I just wanted to put it out because I do think like money and resource and connections are different things, or, or money and connections are different things. But ultimately, they create a resource for you to pull from. And I think you've benefited almost as much from the resource you've got as much as Wrexham had. It's just theirs is money, which helps you get over the line. But without the resource that you've had. Chesterfield will be nowhere near where they have been this season and to be quite honest with where they have been in the past they should be by now you're absolutely you're absolutely right on that because we've just got to look at what we've been in the National League since we got relegated we haven't used our resources that we had to the fullest and we haven't had the likes of Paul Cook 
able to bring these players back or even him as a manager to come back. We've had managers that have obviously left us in relegation fights. We haven't jumped straight back to it. What I'm saying about Wrexham is the finance aspect of things. And there's not just Chesterfield that feel like this. There's other clubs that are down there as well that feel like maybe a salary cap or a wages cap, whatever you want to call it, should be something that's put into the National League. And however, however, though, even when you out. say on, on, that, on that subject, you say about they've exploited it, that's there for everybody to do. It's not, okay. it's, I would understand your gripe if it's something that's been brought in like, you know, this season or, or since they've took ownership. I would understand it if all, all of a sudden that rule comes in place where you can spend what you want. That's not, that's something that's always been there. And I think exploiting it's the wrong word. It's because it's, it's there to be used. They benefited from it. They benefited from it. Yeah, benefits. okay. Benefited, yeah, not benefits. exploited. Fair enough. I think, I think exploit, yeah. Like you say, if, if it were a rule that's relatively new since their, their ownership, then fair enough. But it's, you, you know, as we've all said before, it could have been Chesterfield. You know, it, it's that random of them owning Rex. It could have literally been Chesterfield. Mm. And I don't think you'd have much of a problem with it. And no no set of fans would. So I just think you've got to you've got to take your sour grapes with this one, unfortunately. And you know what? And you know what? Speaking as a Sheffield United fan, I can actually resonate with this because when we played Wrexham in the FA Cup, all the build up to that game was all Wrexham. We're fighting for the Premier League. We're Sheffield United. We've got way more history than Wrexham will ever have, and and it's all focused on Wrexham because of Hollywood. So I completely understand what Adam's saying in the media's regard. In that yeah. regard, I get it. Right. But at the same time, there's a lot of fans, and I've said it before, and you've got to step back and look at it from a neutral perspective. A lot of fans in those games that they played against Sheffield United will have looked at it and gone, oh, I like this Sheffield United. I'm going to follow them. I'm going to see what they're about. Overall, for me, Wrexham, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, bringing attention to the National League is not a bad thing. Okay, The only reason that a lot of the fans in the National League are pissed off about it is because it's not them. Is because they're fucking yeah. struggling and Wrexham and Notts County ran away with it. And now yeah. Notts County are likely going to win in the playoffs. For me, all it is, is sour grapes. No, I've, I've given a lot of credit to Notts County and Wrexham and I feel I have done for how they played football this year. It's the way in which that Wrexham have, have got the players that they've got that I was a bit frustrated with. And like I've just said then, and you've just agreed with the media aspect of things, it's majority has been based around Wrexham. BT Sport, uh, BBC, when you said that you played in the FA Cup, it's predominantly been... Wrexham based and I think that's because of the signing of uh, the, the fact that it's been bought by McElhenney and, it and is, Ryan that's Reynolds exactly and the reason, that's what my point is, is maybe that it's just brings jealousy. eyes to other clubs as well it, it brings eyes to your club as well this is what you don't understand you're not seeing the big picture nobody last season season before season before before Wrexham got bought or whatever nobody's paying attention to the National League and unfortunately because of Chesterfield's bad mismanagement and shit managers right that's where you are okay like it or not, that's where you are. No, no, you're right. So the fact that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are there, and they have been there, and Wrexham have been there, that is, and I know it's difficult to see, but that is only a good thing for Chesterfield because it brings eyes to the club, brings eyes to the National League, and it means that there's you know more availability in streaming, more funds, more more stuff available for you to utilise, like all Paul Cook signings that you've brought in. You know now you've got other things that you can utilise to your advantage. So try and step back from it. And see it as a bit of a positive at times and, and try not to be as sour on it. But I understand in a way why you are. Maybe it's a bit of jealousy, but like I said a couple of weeks ago, if all the media attraction changes next season, then and, and like I said, with the streaming aspect of things, if that all changes again next season, that'll probably piss me off a little bit more. If it stays the same as it has done towards the back end of the season, then then fair enough, it's worked. Worked in the advantage of all the National League clubs as well. 
I'm uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with Kemp on one point where he talks about the the um sort of just the eyes on on the product because Wrexham are going to be in League Two next year and Chesterfield will still be at National League so no one's no, going to give a shit not, about them. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> that's right. I know it's not, but I that's not what I was saying. I have to get it in. I have to get it in. But um, speaking of, we've spoke about Knox County. We, we've spoke about Town. It is the uh, playoff semi-finals this weekend. So Aggie, just very quickly, a lot of people are assuming Knox County will win that half twelve game on Sunday at home to Boreham Wood. Is that pretty much done and dusted? Do you think Boreham would have a chance? And then also the main event for you, 3.30 Sunday, Chesterfield at home to Bromley after they came back to win 2-1 away at Woking. Again, what do you think about that? And and should, do you think Chesterfield be the team to uh, face Notts County in a week or so's time? Nothing's a given. Uh, I think Boreham would have as good a chance as anybody up against Notts County. I think they'll just have a bit too much about them to, to see them off and, and County will go through to, to play in Wembley next Saturday. Um, as for us against Bromley, they've shown a lot of character to come back from 1-0 down to win against a very tough Woking side. They've been a tough side all season. Just missed out on third place in the National League, like you said, to uh, Chesterfield. Um, I dare say that if the Chesterfield that turned up in the second half of the game against Maidstone turn up, then we'll be absolutely fine. And I know Sam gave me a bit of grief for, for playing on the fact that we beat bottom of the league by four goals to nil. I don't give a shit who you're playing. If you score four goals in the second half and turn your performance around like that, you can be playing top of the league. It's still a great, great result and great response. Yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, I'm I'm at Leeds this weekend, but I'm I'm aiming to be back for about half two. So if I'm if I'm on my way back and I'm going to be back comfortably, I'm I'm going to look at some last minute tickets because I don't think it's a sellout just yet, is it, Aggie? So it's not, mate. No, we've opened up the north stand as well, so we've now got all the three three and three quarter stands set for Chesterfield supporters. Sweet. So hopefully I'll be there, but yeah. It's hard to say this has got to be the year because of obviously Notts County, but it's time now to really start pushing on into it. Like we've spoke about the resource, and I don't disagree. Like they're absolutely well within the rights, and they should use what's available to them. But if you're going to start bringing in that caliber of manager and that caliber of players, it's got to start paying off because you've been in the National League for a very long time now. It's it's time to kick on. I think. Yeah, absolutely um, agree. Well, uh, hopefully, mate, fingers crossed, look, I've been to enough games this season to really hope Chesterfield win as much stick as I'd like to give you for uh, for the players that they've got on, on the uh, on, on the papers. But, uh, Kempi, it's time to hand over the reins to you, my friend, because this weekend, a little birdie has told me, UFC 288 is Oof. incoming. So I'm going to let you and Sam bounce off each other while you discuss proceedings. Um, over to you, mate. Thank you very much and welcome back everybody to another edition of Kempi's Combat Corner. Um, what a weekend we've got. We, we finally, again, I keep saying it, we're finally over all the boxing bullshit. But there has been a few quiet weeks of boxing news, which is which is good. No news is good news in the boxing world these days, in my opinion, and you may potentially agree. But we are now back at the number one fighting organisation in the world. It is back it is this weekend. It is for the UFC Bantamweight Championship of the World. It is Aljamain, the Funkmaster Sterling, against Henry Triple C Cejudo, returning to fight Aljo for the bantamweight title and uh, and hoping to become um, C4, um, as he says uh, himself. What a card it's going to be. What an event it's going to be. Um, Henry Cejudo, former flyweight champion of the world, former bantamweight champion of the world, took an early retirement, what it seemed like from, from, from our perspective, from the fans' perspective. 
Um, but ultimately, he's now back in the cage and he's back active and ready to go to fight for the bantamweight belt. Um, going to be a close fight. I'll get back to it in just a second with who I think he's going to win. I'm just going to preview the rest of the card uh, very, very briefly before I do so. So we've got Crone Gracie making his return to the cage after a few years out due to various different reasons against Charles Jordan uh, in the featherweight opening. Uh, Crone Gracie is the grandson of Helio Gracie, who is the co-founder of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So mixed martial arts and BJJ really does run in Crone Gracie's blood. He is five and one, five wins and one loss, um, but is a elite Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. Um, and I think during his time away has rounded his game a little bit as well. Big fan of Crone Gracie personally, would really like to see him sort of kick on and, um, and and really live up to the name, the, the legendary name in martial arts of Gracie and, and get himself up to a, a position where he's, he's a ranked contender, um, hopefully going for that featherweight strap. Um, next sort of notable fight is Jessica Andrade, the former women's flyweight champion, I believe she was, um, may have been strawweight champion actually, but she is a former champion and she's fighting Jeanne. Jan Zhuanan, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, a fighter, I believe, originating out of China. Um, and she is fighting uh, Jessica Andrade this week at UFC 288 in the strawweight division. Um, I think for either of those these fighters, it's a really, really important fight. I think if Jan Zhuanan wins, she, she gets herself into a potential title picture. Um, Jessica Andrade, with her experience and with her title victories in the past, Definitely, if not if, if nothing else, she's definitely a sort of a final boss before you get to fighting for a title in the women's 115-pound division. So that is going to be a really interesting fight and looking to see where that goes. Co-main event is between um, two fighters that have been really on the periphery of title contention in the welterweight division. Really stacked division over the recent years. Leon Edwards, the current champion. Kamara Usman, the former champion. Colby Covington. Um Hamzat Shemaev fighting sometimes at 170 when he can make the weight. Um, but then you've got these peripheral guys, like I say, Bilal Mohamed, Gilbert Burns, and these two fighters, fight, guys are fighting in the co-main event this uh, this weekend. What a fight this is going to be. Um, a lot of people looking at Bilal Mohamed and saying that he should have received a title shot by now. I, I think I agree. Um, he's on a really, really impressive win streak. Um, Sean Brady, Vincente Luque, Stephen Thompson, Damian Meyer, a real killer's row um, in fights and, and victories in his recent outings, um, fighting a really, really dangerous Gilbert Burns. Gilbert beat Jorge Masvidal um, in Jorge's retirement fight most recently, before that fighting Neil Magny, who is always a dangerous guy at the, at, at the division at the weight. Um, and before that, you know, like I say, really, really close fight with Hamzat Shemaev, who was a killer before he got to Gilbert Burns. Wonderboy Thompson got a victory over him. And then, unfortunately, lost against Kamara Usman before that, who was at the top of the tree at the time. So, a, a fantastic co-main event. This could quite easily be a main event of a fight night. Maybe not a pay-per-view, but definitely a fight night. And uh, Bilal Mohamed versus Gilbert Burns will whet our appetites for the main event, which, like I said before, is the current 135 bantamweight champion of the world, Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling against Henry Triple C Cejudo. Me personally, not the biggest fan of Henry Cejudo. I think in his previous fights has bought victories at times. 
you look at his victory against TJ Dillashaw, albeit a depleted TJ Dillashaw, who actually did test positive for EPO after that fight. So we do have to put that little um, asterisk in there. Um, but but every single major title fight, I feel like Henry Cejudo, there's been an asterisk next to it. You look at the, the victory that he got to win the, uh, the, the, the flyweight belt initially against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, arguably the best flyweight in, in UFC history, if not the best flyweight in mixed martial arts history before moving across to one championship. Um, but it beat Mighty Mouse for the title by a split decision. Um, it lost against Mighty Mouse before that uh, via knees to the body, um, but then came back after a couple of fights uh, and a couple of victories against Wilson, Wilson Heiss and Sergio Pettis to beat Demetrius Johnson by a split decision. I think it was the right decision, but it was razor, razor close. And you have seen them given the other way. So again, that's the first asterisk. Second asterisk, TJ Dillashaw depleted, never fought that way. Really, really drained himself to get down to 125. And if you look at the fight, um, it, it was very, very quick. The stoppage was very, very soon, in my opinion. Um, TJ could have fought on and did have life in him in that fight. So I think he was very, very lucky to get that victory. Marlon Marais absolutely pieced his legs up in the first round um, and, and really did some damage to him. Um, he then come back and did beat Marlon Marais for the uh, vacant bantamweight championship to be the double champ, um, which, you know, it's a difficult one because he did win the fight. Clearly, he won by TKO. But again, this is probably the only fight that I wouldn't put a major asterisk next to. But Marlon Marais never really seen as the top guy in the division and did give him major, major problems. He then fought Dominic Cruz for the UFC bantamweight championship, defended his belt. This is his last fight. May 9th, 2020, you know, really, really in the middle of COVID-19 um, and, and won with knees and punches. Dominic Cruz came out after the fight and complained about the refereeing performance. And I really, really, really do sympathise with Dominic Cruz after this fight. Um, it, it was a really, really early stoppage, in my opinion. Henry Cejudo, in my opinion, buys his wins. He'll, he'll, he'll land shots. He'll look at the referee. He'll land shots. He'll sort of back off. And he'll do everything that he can to get out of there as soon as he possibly can. For me, really impressive guy, martial artist in general, Olympic gold medalist, flyweight champion and former bantamweight champion as well, which is why he calls himself Triple C, Triple Champion. Um, but in my opinion, I do think Henry Cejudo is a very, very fortunate guy to be in the position that he's in in the sense of winning two titles and defending one of those belts as well. Um, Aljamain, the Funkmaster Sterling, has not had it easy himself. Had a really, really difficult career um, and a really, really tough knockout that he had to deal with as well. Um, on an unbelievable streak in terms of his, his victories, um, he lost against Marlon Marais, which was a brutal KO, um, but that was a few years ago now, I believe six years ago. So was a long time ago and since then has just gone from strength to strength. Brett Johns, Cody Starman, Jimmy Riviera, Pedro Munoz, Corey Sandhagen, Peter Yarn, Peter Yarn, and TJ Dillashaw. Um, all fights that, that Aljamain Sterling has won and in my opinion won fairly comfortably. There is an asterisk, a big asterisk next to the first Peter Yarn fight. Um, he, he won by illegal knee. Peter Yarn went to knee him. His corner said yes. It was an illegal knee. Um, I think, uh, from what I remember, Aljamain Sterling had three points of contact to the ground, so one hand and, and both of his knees, his feet, which means he is a downed opponent, which means you can't knee him in the head, 
And unfortunately, Peter Yarn did and ultimately lost his belt due to that. They then had a rematch in April of 2022 and uh, Peter Yarn lost Aljamain Sterling, won by a split decision. In my opinion, it was a unanimous decision. Aljamain Sterling won that fight pretty convincingly. Um, and then on the back of that, um, fought TJ Dillashaw and won via a very, very convincing TKO. Um, the submission win against Corey Sandhagen before the Peter Yarn fights is really, really not to be sniffed at as well. Corey Sandhagen, really, really good guy in the division. Um, and, and it was a really, really impressive victory for Aljamain Sterling. So for me, Aljo has really, really proved his, his worth and earned his stripes in that bantamweight division. Um, Aljamain Sterling, I believe as well, is the younger man. He's 33 years of age in his athletic prime. Henry Cejudo is 36. Aljo is the taller man at five foot six. Henry Cejudo is a smaller man at five foot three. And he does have a massive reach advantage, Aljamain Sterling, as well. In my opinion, this fight will go the distance and Aljamain Sterling will win by unanimous decision and retain his bantamweight title against Henry Cejudo this weekend. And what an event it's going to be. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be staying up late for the first time in quite a few weeks for a UFC event. So getting through it, I stayed up for the draft. So it uh, did pretty well in that regard. But staying up for the UFC is a different kettle of fish at times. So really looking forward to the weekend, Dawson. Going to be a fantastic weekend of fights. And um, I'll uh, always break it down next week for you guys on uh, Kempi's Combat Corner. Yes, you will, mate. Thank you very much. And uh, thankfully, up King Charles, we've got a bank holiday to give it an extra day to uh, recover. So uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to that as well. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it will be a very good event. Now, Aggie, this is where I hand off to you, mate, to uh, talk about the latest in F1. We've uh, just come off of the early season break. We had two, three races, and then they binned it off for a uh, for a month. So, uh, Baku last weekend made a dominant Red Bull Red Bull performance, as we as we discussed and as we predicted. Not like it's an outlandish prediction, but uh, what are your thoughts on what happened in Azerbaijan, and and what do you think can uh, we can look forward to this weekend in Miami? Just seems to be straightforward. They, the office, doesn't it, for Red Bull at the moment. Four races so far this season. All four have gone in favour of Red Bull, leading the constructors. As a result, Max Verstappen now leading the Drivers' Championship by just six points, with Sergio Perez just behind him. And it looks like the two of them are finally starting to see some common ground as Red Bull are letting both sides fight for... The, both uh, drivers, should I say, fight for the championship. A win in Baku for Checo, second place. For Max Verstappen means it just looks like it's going to be a Red Bull-dominated season from from start to finish. George Russell, um, one of only two people on the grid to pit more than once in the entirety of the race. I'd expect to see much more pit stops from uh, from from everybody really in Miami. It brings up one of the uh, the more unpredictable tracks. Some tracks have uh, lengthy stints where you can easily uh, set your car up for for, for straights and then obviously take the hit on the narrow uh, corners that are provided. Miami seems to have a nice little mix of both, so it makes things difficult for some of the drivers, some of the teams to really predict what's going to happen, especially racing around um, the Hard Rock Stadium. Um, The weather is quite unpredictable in Miami, which means it's looking like you're going to have to go with more hard and medium tyres than than seeing the chance of soft. Not sure if you'd agree with me on that skin. We've both raced around Miami quite a lot, and there's some some long stints for cars uh, with the tyres, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I have to agree that this is a yeah a two-stop trying to get on them longer-lasting tyres and, and really, really push them uh, to the ground. So, yeah, I agree with you there. 
this week, I'd probably go as far as saying I'd expect another win for Red Bull. I don't think that comes as much of a surprise. I think the bit that we'll really start to see Red Bull have its toll taken is maybe in five, six races time where Perez and Verstappen are both competing for the championship. And that's where clumsy little challenges are made to try and overtake and, and points become more vital for both drivers. But at the moment, there's still a long way to go. And therefore, if Verstappen's leading, Perez doesn't have to be as reckless and you could say same vice versa, but here's something I'm going to ask you, Skin, as a uh, as a Red Bull fan. I've seen a lot of people talking about how the majority of Verstappen's overtakes do tend to be reckless and thoughtless and, and lead to accidents and incidents. What's, what's your thoughts on that as a Verstappen fan? Um, I can see why people would think that. Uh, also, on the flip side, I'd say you know people like Senna, people like Schumacher are always aggressive, and that's where the success come from. You, you've, you've got to be aggressive if if you want success. So uh, I, I can see the point, but I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, and I think, you know, the car he's in having to do that is becoming less and less because of how dominant that vehicle is. But a, a question back to you, because you mentioned about Max and, and Checo being in a, in a title sort of fight, Max 93 points, Checo 87 points. So currently a six point gap between the two. At what point does it become an, an out-and-out equal man-v-man title race? Or do you think within the next three, four races, Max will sort of you know increase that gap and then it will become Perez playing number two driver? I think it already is a, a man-for-man race, isn't it? Both of them going for the race, going for the championship, both of them trying to take as many points as they can. I think Perez has got a bit of a point to prove. Verstappen obviously won that first championship under what people refer to as controversial circumstances, getting that lap on, uh, getting the overtake on Lewis Hamilton on the final lap in Abu Dhabi. Then he went on and dominated another season and won the championship himself. Perez just being looked at at the moment as a number two driver, trying to prove to people that he can still compete at the top level and he can compete alongside Max Verstappen. And I think at the moment he's proving that he can do that. In Baku, he won by just over two seconds. And that's quite a long time in, in Baku, considering some of the uh, the differences that we've had in times in other races so far this season. I think when it gets to a point that one driver is a little bit further ahead than the other, you're going to have to then start looking at maybe having a number two driver to see yourself through as the constructors' champions. But I think something that Red Bull have working to their advantage at the moment is nobody's on their level. Nobody's even close to them. There's no consistency from Aston Martin. There's nothing from Ferrari. There's nothing from Mercedes. At the moment, it is a clear Red Bull domination. And you can just let them two of them fight till the end of the season. And like George Russell said before the season even started, or I think it was after race one, he said that there's only one team that's going to be winning this and he wouldn't be surprised if Red Bull won every race this season. So far, that is exactly what they've done. And both drivers have been so far ahead of everybody else. Yeah, four races, four wins, but equally between Checo and Max. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens over the next few races. So give us your prediction then for Miami, Hard Rock Stadium, driving around it, street track, the latest or the newest track added onto the circuit before Vegas uh, happens in uh, later in the year. But uh, who have you got for pole? Who have you got winning the race? I'm going to go with Max on pole, and I'm going to go with Checo winning the race after some strange strategy that works out in uh, his favour from Red Bull. And I think the bit that everybody was really that bothered about is who's going to finish third place, because we already know who the first two are going to be. And I'm going to go and take a risk on Lewis Hamilton to finish third place. Very interesting. I'm going to go Max for both because it's it's the easy pick, but it, it, there's no real logic to 
make you come away from that at the moment. Um, and I'm going to get Ferrari to get a podium this weekend. I think they're, they're due one, so yeah, I fancy it. It's a, it's a nice track for them. There's only, what, one real out and out, full speed straight. So potential for, for them to get in and amongst it this weekend. No, absolutely. Completely agree. It's just who's fighting for third place at the moment. And between Ferrari, Aston Martin and, and um, Mercedes, there doesn't seem to be any consistency from any of them. It seems that they could maybe upset the rhythm and the pace that Red Bull are setting. I know Ferrari got pole, uh, pole position last week, but I think that was an error on Red Bull's part. And they still managed to take the win in the race because they're just so much quicker. Yeah, definitely. But we'll uh, we'll be back next week to discuss the fallout from Miami and uh, see what the, the Constructors' Championship and the Driver' Championship look like after that. But in terms of the Constructors, it'll be an even bigger gap for Red Bull than the uh, 93 points that it currently sits at, I'm sure. Um, Sam, it's your time to shine. We've had Kempi's Combat Corner. We've had Aggie with the update on the uh, Formula One. And we're now over to you, mate, as we're right... Go on. I was I've been sold a kipper here, and I fucking know you've least experienced fucking loved with fucking darts. Jesus well, Christ! I, no, mate, if you're full of knowledge, mate, you've made some great points over the last few weeks. And when I sent over the agenda, I did put your name next to the darts, so that's on you. And I thought I'd remind uh, you. No um, but um, yeah, Premier League night thirteen in Leeds last week. Uh, currently at time of recording, night fourteen happening in Manchester. Night fifteen is the big one next week in Sheffield that we'll be there for. But uh, how's the Premier League looking? And, uh, and where do we stand on, on which of us might uh, come out on top with a prediction? Well, uh, Michael Smith went on a bit of a barnstormer last uh, last week, didn't he? He, uh, he opened up his quarters by absolutely steamrolling my boy, Dobie. Uh, went into the, where is he? Went into the semis against uh, Peter Wright, beat him 6-2. It was just, it was a bit of a buzzsaw, I like to use that term, when it's just the, the sort of player that doesn't matter who you're playing, you're going to win. You can stick anyone in front of you. And then he went into a going price. So obviously, we all know Kemp is man this year. Uh, and he, yeah, he made say short work of it, but a six-four win. Um, that was that was last week. So he took the uh, he took the night. Uh, currently standing on um, on night fourteen, we've we've had uh, Johnny Clayton's beat uh, Adams man Peter Wright already. So that uh, that little comeback, we thought, little comeback, we thought it might be it might be due. He's uh, his nights early, ended early this uh, this this week. Uh, my boy finally won one. Chris Doby is back with his six-two victory over your boy uh, Van der Berg, the dancing, uh, the dancing Belgian. But uh, it looks like he is currently playing Johnny Clayton in his uh, in his semi-final and is currently four-three, four-three down. So he's uh, got a bit of work to do there tonight. Uh, we'll go through a couple of predictions then. If uh, knowing what we know, obviously the the quarters have already been played and we're halfway through the semis. Uh, start with you, Dawson. Who do you reckon is going to uh, who do you reckon is going for tonight? I'm I'm sticking with my boy MVG after that big win in the quarters. Uh, Kempy batted your man six two, so I'm I'm all in, ready for next week. I can't wait. Can't wait for Sam to be leading the booze for uh, for Gerwin. <laughs> six two, by the way, on Gerwin prices, no uh, no mean feat, is it? That Jesus, no. Some performance. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Michael Smith. I think after his last victory uh, last week. I, I can see obviously is is just beat uh, Aspinall, but I think he's uh, he seems to find his form again pre pre um, Premier League obviously winning the the World World Championships. So yeah, I'm going to stick with Michael Smith. I think he's uh, on a bit of a hot streak. Kempi, what do you reckon? 
Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. Michael Smith, I think, is going to take this one. Um, he, he's, he seems to be hitting form at the right time. He had a, a bit of a slow start and uh, there's been a few weeks you look at Michael Smith and think, oh, has he got a bit of a hangover from achieving his life's dream of winning the World Championship? Um, but he seems to be picking up a bit of steam now, picking up a bit of form. And that's exactly what you want when you're coming up tonight, 14, 15, 16, and then obviously into the semi-finals. So, yeah, Michael Smith, I'm still backing my boy Gerwin Price to win it all. Um, but it's uh, it's going to be an interesting running. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Sam. Michael Smith is going to win this week in Manchester. Aggie, as we say, your boy uh, took an early bath. He's, uh, he's, he's, liking, he's liking them this year. I think he must have a lot of bath bombs put to one side. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to very quickly interject with a question for Aggie uh, off the back of what you said there. Um, what do you think he spends more time on, the stage on a Premier League night or doing his hair? Hair, 100%. It's got to be hair, hasn't it? It's got to be hair. Aggie, talk us through. I forgot what his introduction music is at the moment because he uses it once oh, a week Ken, and that's as good as it gets. Ken won't ever forget Peter Wright's uh, introduction music. It's his favourite. He'll, uh, he'll be eagerly looking for someone's head to drum on next week when we're there. Um, I'm... I'm I was thinking Michael Smith, but I know Sam and Kemp have both gone Smith, so I'm I'm going to lean towards Johnny Clayton and think there's going to be a bit of an upset. Let um let Smith and Van Gerwen fight out in the semi-final, and then uh, Clayton can steal the win to get himself uh, through. And I think that might just put him into the uh, the top four as well with one week or two weeks left to go of the uh, the regular season, if you will. But I think Michael Smith is really like Sam said, found his form in. The thing that bugs me the most about him is it takes me ages, and I know I'm not obviously as good at darts as him, but to, to even figure out where I'm throwing the dart, and I saw even when Peter Wright was taking ages to take his throws, Michael Smith makes it look so effortless, and it looks like he's Rapid. been so careless with it, but he's going exactly where he needs to get it, and it bugs me so much, but I think that's credit down to his style, his technique, and it clearly works for him. Um, I think he, it, we're looking at him against Gerwin Price in the final if they don't meet in the semi-final in a couple of weeks' time, but Johnny Clayton for this week for me. They say that there's no one, there's no one be, ever been better at, at the game of darts than him at making his his mental calculations on the fly. Obviously, I, I just say it's just like it's just one motion into it, bang, 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 three darts and it's gone. You blink and you miss it. Uh, they say that he's he's like the most, you know, fastest critical thinker that there has ever been when it comes to darts at that at that level, uh, in, in able to change what he. Needs. I'm not sure, Sam. I, I, I'm not sure about that one. You see, because well, that's, that's what um, that's what they say. Yeah, I know, but when we were playing darts at the weekend, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we were both stuck on twenty-five for about two hours. Oh dear, uh, we were both critically thinking of ourselves and yeah. each other. Fuck me, yeah. your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. We were stuck on the. We were stuck, we both ended up on ball on the. We were doing around the clock and we were stuck on ball for ages and ages. You, you, I'm talking. Got to be close to half an hour. Um, soon as Katie goes, uh, right next, uh, next next person to hit ball, I'll get I'll give you a tenner. Fucking nobody a first dart wallet. Just needed that little you know bit what? of extra motivation. Yeah, do you know what? She transferred it to our last, and I've not seen it. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's gone. That's long gone. Criminal, absolutely criminal. But now. Uh, it's still, it, again, we always use any given Sunday across any sports, but once we hit that finals night at the O2 Arena, literally any one of those four can can win. So it's not just a case of because MVG has been at the top of the table for most of the time, not just because Gerwin Price has been in great form and now got up to the top, doesn't necessarily mean one of them will win because you know someone like an Aspinall or someone like a Michael Smith, who, like you said, Sam, is finding a bit of form seemingly at the right time, anything can happen. And next week, lads, 
we're there. Michael Smith versus Michael Van Gerwen headline in the uh, quarterfinals repeat of the World Championship. And I tell you what, if we get a repeat of that leg, imagine thinking about I'm jumping, I'm jumping out a balcony for get a repeat at leg. <laughs> I, I, I was literally about sweet. to say. I was about to say I don't, I'm not sure if that balcony will uh, will hold me up. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Safety first and all that, but uh, we're out early doors, aren't we? So we might be canned up by then. <laughs> bit Larry. <laughs> yeah, a bit Larry. Uh, but anyway, yeah, good chat on the darts, and, and we're now in lads to the home straight and the final spot of the evening, the final update. And that is the NFL. Big talk last week on the draft. That's been the full focus that we've had over this last month and potential trades and everything else that happens this time of year. But the draft has now come and gone. So what I'm just going to very quickly, we're going to go around the room and I just want your overall thoughts on your team's draft weekend. So, Kemp, I'm going to start with you, mate, because I, I do think that the, the Giants are right up there in the conversation for for team with the best overall draft weekend. Yeah, wow. Shane knocking it out of the park yet again. Um, Joe Shane is our, our GM and I think he's responsible for a lot of the good that happened at the Buffalo Bills in the past few years. Um, their rise to prominence is, is quite well known. So um, coming to the Giants uh, with, with Coach Dayball, former um, assistant um, at uh, Buffalo Bills as well, and, and what a draft we've had for the second year in a row. Um, I stayed up for the draft. It was a very novel feeling staying up late on for a Giants draft pick. We tend to be uh, a lot earlier on in the night. And for non-NFL fans, basically, the teams that do the better in the season, they get to pick later in the first round of the draft. So it kind of evens things up a little bit. So the top, top prospects go to the teams that have probably done a little bit worse in the previous season. They try and balance it out like that. Um, Again, for non-NFL fans, I don't want to kind of, preach to you and talk to you like you're stupid, like Neil does on Sky Sports, for example, calling out Neil, <laughs> uh, Sam's man. Um, Dina's man. This Sam's man fucking fought his hardest to have a picture with him. The fucking oh, no, that's shit. Fought his hardest? Oh, this, Sam, it's disgusting. Put it, put it on record, Sam. Put it on record. record. Come on, put it on record. record. You say fought his hardest. This is how popular he is. It was still on his own. It was still on his own. All these fans, all these fans oh, outside God. the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, it was just done on his own. I thought, oh, go on, I'll... Uh, I'll it was for him. Oh, sorry for him. Charity for Charitable act. Charitable yeah. act. <laughs> Did his eyes light up when you, when you asked for a yeah, picture? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, the right, reality yeah. is that Neil asked for a picture with Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Um, no, but yeah, essentially, the, the teams that do the worst in the NFL, uh, they get to pick the best prospects from college or what we would call in the UK university um, American football uh, first first off basically get the, the pick of the bunch of the best prospects um, and we were picking late because we did pretty well last season got to uh, got to the playoffs and, and won the wild card game to boot so did pretty well but yeah First pick for the Giants, uh, Deontay Banks. Um, a lot of people had him as the best, sort of third best cornerback on the board. Um, and, and we picked him towards the back end of the first round. Um, he, he, he clocked in a 4.35 second 40-yard dash, which is absolutely lightning. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he looks like a pretty decent athlete. It's going to do a decent job for the New York Giants. And he's definitely a player we can slot straight in at that position straight away. And we don't have to mess about keeping him on the bench for a season or two uh, at all. Um, the next pick, the centre, John Michael Schmitz. A lot of people had him going at the end of the first round. So the fact that... Tina was absolutely in, begging that Bears ended up yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that we could pick him up in the second round, which absolutely fantastic for the Giants. He fell right into our lap. 
it is a need and it's another player that we can start straight away, um, which is which is fantastic. He's going to shore up our offensive line, which has been a problem for us in the past few years. Um, and, uh, and it looks like we've solved that problem, fingers crossed. Um, the next pick, and I know it's strange because it's, you know, a little bit further down the draft than the first two rounds and the first few picks. But, but Jalen Hyatt, who really looks like a top wide receiver, um, and he's fallen to us, which is which is absolutely fantastic. Um, Mate, yeah, he's, fantastic. he's Tyreek Hill 2.0, if, I, if I've ever seen it. I had, uh, obviously, we do a mock each year, and I had him going with the last, pack of, uh, last pick of the first round to the Chiefs yeah. as that sort of ideal replacement for, for Tyreek. So, mate, you've got an absolute bargain there for me. And we've picked him up. We've picked him up really well. Um, as you say, he looks like a really good athlete. Impressed at the combine in his 40-yard dash, his vertical and his broad jump. Um, I was saying before the draft, I think I mentioned it on the podcast as well, that I was looking for a wide receiver in the draft. And it looks like we've got that. And Jalen Hyatt, for me, is somebody that can, if not start week one, can definitely push the receivers that we've already got to, to be making a name for himself at that wide-out position. And it's something that we needed and another gap filled. So three really important positions for the Giants there all sorted in this year's draft, which is fantastic. Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of go sort of a deep dive into one more player I think is worth mentioning, and that's Eric Gray. Um, there has been a little bit of mix-up with Saquon Barkley. We were trying to franchise tag him. doesn't look like he wants to sign that franchise tag. So we are going to try and come to a deal with Saquon Barkley, I'm sure. But yeah, Eric Gray, he looks like a really promising running back. Um, he moves really well. He, he, he's got, I think, to be honest, he was one of the top maybe 10 uh, running backs in the draft class. Um, and the fact that he's fallen to us uh, is, is a really good thing. So looks like he'd be a very, very solid backup. And if not, um, you know, hopefully in the future, um, doing a job for the Giants at running back. But it's a very important position for, for the Giants is running back. It is a run first offence a lot of the time, whether that be a running back or a quarterback run. Um, and uh, and yeah, it looks like we've got a decent position there as well. So all in all, I'm absolutely delighted with the Giants draft class of 2023. I wasn't expecting anything less, to be honest. Now Joe Shane and Brian Dayball are in. Um, I'm expecting the Giants draft classes to be top end, and, and I wasn't disappointed. Um, Pro Football Focus gave us an A+, which is obviously the best rating you can get. And me personally, as a Giants fan, I know I'm probably a little bit biased, but I completely agree. I think they are the best picks we could have probably taken for the needs that we had. And uh, yeah, it's good to be it's good to be big blue, baby. Here we go. Looking forward to the season. The only problem is it doesn't start for like another six months. So <laughs> it's a yeah, bit of a downer. That, that's the, that is the worst thing. I'm absolutely screaming out to get fantasy draft done, but we're a long way off that. Yeah, I mean, I'll go next because probably in my whole time as a Patriots fan, this is the happiest I've ever been coming out of a, a draft weekend. I thought they've, they've drafted brilliantly. A lot of focus on interior O-line, which they needed, really, really struggled with depth last year. Um, and they've, they've focused hard on that. So really happy with that. Pick number 17, they, they did originally have pick number uh, 14. They let the Steelers move up and uh, ahead of them, ahead of the Jets at 15 to take the play that they assumed uh, that Jets were going to take, which was an offensive lineman in Broderick Jones. And uh, an NFL GM has come out and said that he does believe that Bill did that purely to fuck with the Jets because he knew Steelers wanted the play that Jets wanted. So absolutely love that. Ended up with pick 17 and pick number 120 overall. Uh, and they took Christian Gonzalez, a cornerback out of Oregon. I was so happy. Cornerback was in my top three uh, positions that I was hoping they'd go for in the first round. Devin Witherspoon was the number one player I was hoping for. 
and Christian Gonzalez is absolutely not a consolation prize. So many people involved in the league cannot believe he was still available at 17 and he is a day day one starter who is who has the potential to be an out and out all-star cornerback so for Patriots to have that and to to use that number one or the first round pick for that kind of player doesn't happen very often as a Patriots fan so I, I cannot express how happy I was with that and um, looking just very quickly down some of the other picks Keon White an edge rusher out of Georgia Tech someone that I saw in a lot of mocks going in the first round and uh, giving them that little bit of juice uh, alongside Judon Uchi um, on on that defensive line, Barmore in the, in the interior as well. Again, really, really happy with that pick. Um, Marty Mapu, a safety out of Sacramento State, they got from the, in the third round. And he was actually, even though he was picked 76 overall, he was Daniel Jeremiah's favourite player out of the draft. So, we, we know how, how in-depth he goes with draft coverage and, and his input and, and insight on players. So for him to call him the, the, his favourite player in the whole draft, I'm really excited about what he can do alongside Kyle Duggar at that safety position. But he does play a bit of linebacker as well. So he does seem to be that real versatile kind of pick that the Patriots love in, in their back seven. So again, so, so happy with that. Um, Chad Ryland, fourth round pick. They took a kicker, which is classic Patriots being one of the first teams to take a, a special teams player. He's got a lot of hype coming out of college. And I think uh, Nick Folk stays as the Patriots kicker is is now over potentially after a bit of a down season last year, despite how reliable he's been. Um, and then a bit of the, the late round pick for me, uh, Keishon Booty. Keishon Booty out of uh, your boys, uh, LSU. Um, Again, a lot of people had him as a round one, if not a round two pick, sort of earlier in the year and, and sort of right in the early stages of doing mock drafts. A couple of injuries here and there have, have made him drop. So to get him in the sixth round at the 187th pick, another weapon for Mac Jones. I've seen a couple of his college highlights and he looks like he's, he's got a bit about him. So, yeah, like I said at the start, probably the happiest I've ever been, like genuinely happy and actually excited as well to see these players that they've picked. And I think they're going to make a real difference to a team that are quite possibly now in one of, if not the hardest division in, in all of the NFL after so much time being just the out and out constant winners. So a, a big draft was needed and, and they've certainly delivered. Um, Sam, I'm going to come to you next because obviously the talk going into the draft last week was about that Rogers trade and moving up slightly in the first round and, and what picks you were going to make now. Roger had moved on, and, and were you gonna were you gonna provide love with weapons? Were you gonna mm. focus on the defensive side and you know build build a really defensively stout team and not worry too much about the points you were gonna put on the board with love? What are your thoughts about the approach they take uh, they took? Are you happy and and what kind of players do you think are, are really gonna stand out in the rookie year? Well, I'm glad you've come to me before Aggie because I was just about to jump in and say I'll go next if you don't mind me, and uh, we'll finish. On Aggie, because I do believe Seahawks had probably one of the best drafts out of the whole whole bunch. So finish on a light note, but I'd describe our draft as a wait and see sort of draft. I don't think um, you're looking through obviously uh, thirteen pick at thirteen Lucas Van Ness. Um, it's not not the sexy pick as as they say. Um, Ed Rusher, uh, very athletic, pure power, and um, he, he's definitely the one that that fits the fits the Green Bay mold. So. I wasn't uh, I wasn't too excited when the pick came in, but having done a bit of research and you know as you do watch watch the highlights, I do I do think he would fit our scheme pretty well. Um, pick number two, obviously coming just inside the in the second round after we we, had, we traded back the the second second round pick was uh, at Luke Musgrave, 
So we uh, we took a athletic nice. athletic tight end, and again reading reading a bit about him, he was I think he was rated the second I think tight end going into it behind um, Kincaid. Yeah, in terms of, of out all uh, out and out receiving, receiving tight ends, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, well, it can it can do uh, it can do a bit of both actually. His, his experience on the, the on the blocking in line as well. So it's it's a typical sort of Packers tight end pick we want, but we've not had a uh, we've not had a good athletic tight end since Jermichael Finley. So this could be the one. And Aaron Rodgers historically has never utilised his tight ends, you know, compared to your, your Brady's or your Manning's or any of them. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting chapter in the Green Bay the Green Bay story. If I just go down, just I'll go down one more pick into the into the third round. Say, oh, it's it, sorry, a bit further into the set. We had two second round picks. Didn't we? So pick Jaden Reed actually, wide receiver. Interestingly enough, we passed over Hyatt, the uh, the Giants pick, yeah, uh, to pick uh, pick Jaden Reed. And I was looking a bit about him. And I think it was more to do with the fact that it's very dynamic in the return game. And the Packers, as you know, the Packers return game. Last year, it took a massive upturn. Obviously, we re- we re- appointed um, Rick Basaccia as our special teams coordinator. I think he's like the most the highest paid special team coordinator in the league. Yeah, it's, it's right up there, isn't he? Yeah, obviously, the, the um, Vegas Raiders interim uh, head coach fame. So he, he's definitely turning turning things around. It looks like that's that's his sort of pick. They can do, do a job on returns while obviously fitting into the receiving game. So now we've got three really young receivers that uh, that are all going to be coming up together at the same time, along with Jordan Love. So hopefully they get uh, a lot of chemistry together, and, and we'll see where see where that takes us. But yeah, it's it's definitely a wait and see draft. I don't think there was any ready-made stars that that we picked, like the Giants, like the Seahawks have. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's give them a few years, and uh, we'll see how they do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know I made a bold prediction a few months ago about the Packers having a top five pick in in the next sort of yeah. two or three years, but I, I do think that can still potentially happen. Purely because I, I do think there's some more pieces needed to to support love, but time will tell, as we always say. So yeah, I, I think you're right. It's time to to close off with Aggie discussing our um our own team's draft before I come to you all for your one player that you think has has landed you know the best fit, just the best overall pick based on whatever reasons you want to go with. But uh, Aggie Seahawks number five, number twenty, a lot of speculation on where they were going to go, where they're going to go quarterback, where they're going to plan for the future, what were they going to do. What are your thoughts on what they did actually do? Surprised me a little bit with how we started in um, in, in pick five. I think everybody had us down for Jalen Carter, myself included, thinking that was almost a given that we we're just going to add a little bit more to the uh, the defensive line. Um, but I think our defensive line now looks completely different to what it did last season. I know when I first started following the Seahawks and I was a bit worried about the Russell Wilson trade, I'm just looking back now over the people that we actually got for that. Charles Cross, Kenneth Walker, and now Devin Witherspoon as well. Devin Witherspoon surprised me a little bit thinking that he wasn't even going to be the first corner off the board, yet we took him at pick five. And I think adding that to Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant in a, in a uh, secondary that's also got the experience of Quandre Diggs and the returning from injury, Jamal Adams, makes our defence absolutely phenomenal at the moment. And I yeah, think... I, uh, I had Witherspoon as my first cornerback going at number six, actually, to the Lions. I, I think, oh, right. and as I mentioned earlier, he was the one player if I could pick for the Patriots. So it would have been him. I think you've got an absolute baller with that fifth overall pick. And then we moved down to number 20, where it was pretty much anybody's guess as to what we'd do, whether we'd maybe hope for Anthony Richardson, who I think in the end it would have been Will Levis that we'd have had a better opportunity of taking at quarterback. But we didn't. We went for Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I know a lot of people would have liked as their their first choice wide receiver from this draft. Maybe just to jump in as a third or even a, 
a second option with some of these sides. And I think that's more preparing for the inevitable retirement of Tyler Lockett that's down the line because he's been absolutely incredible for us in his time. And I think with DK, Lockett and um, Smith and Jigba, we've, we've got a great trio wide receiver setup for Geno Smith to be able to utilise there, as well as obviously Kenneth Walker at running back. Our offence is also looking very, very strong. Um, moving into the second round, we also had quite an early pick thanks to the Broncos, and that went on Derek Hall, who at over £250 ran a 4.55, and he's playing on the edge, so we need somebody with that extra speed and strength to be able to get to the quarterback and add a bit more more pressure, because I think last season and the season before, you could probably add to that as well, we weren't putting enough pressure on the quarterbacks, they were getting too much time in the pocket, and when you're going up against people like Kyler Murray, who's got a lot of energy and a lot of speed to be able to run outside the pocket, it's tougher for us as well. When you've got people like Matt Stafford, who was able to be quite um, effective finding his targets. And of course, now with, with Sam Fran, whoever they opt to go for at the time, we, we've had quite difficulty being able to get pressure onto the quarterback. We've been quite good at handling the run. I think last season we were ranked top five for the majority of the season in, in defence against the run. It was just a pass that was absolutely ruining us because we weren't putting enough pressure on the uh, on the quarterbacks quick enough. And I think somebody like Derek Hall is going to be quite um, effective for us. Um, I didn't look at too much further on the draft, if I'm honest. I didn't stay up for the uh, the remaining picks, but we've had a little bit more. Anthony Bradford in the fourth round. We didn't have a third round pick. We gave that to the Broncos as part of the uh, the trade for Russell Wilson. Um, but Anthony Bradford um, is uh, part of the offensive line, but that's all we added to the, the O-line. As I mentioned before, I was hoping that we'd probably have had a little bit more um, in the trenches, as you like to say, for the offensive line, just to try and help out a little bit more. But as you told me when I first became a Seahawks fan, do not expect much to go into the, the O-line because we don't do it. And it's just <laughs> becoming more and more apparent. We took Charles Cross in the first round last year. Him and Abraham Lucas did well as the tackles. And now we've just added one more person to the uh, on, on the guard. So hopefully it'll be a little bit, little bit easier for us next season. We'll be able to give Gino a bit more time. But we also took two extra running backs, which leads me to believe that there's potential that we are going to try and open up a bit more of a run game. Kenneth Walker, you've all said last season, was a standout player, wasn't he? A good shout for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Whether he'd got that much time, had Rashad Penny not gone down and broke his leg, who knows? But I think he's a player that, when I was talking to Kemp yesterday in fantasy drafts, I won't pass on him at the end of the first round if he's still on the board at the time. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player for us, and adding two extra players at running back will just make that an incredible setup for us. So I'm overall happy with the uh, the the draft that we had. Would like to have seen a little bit more on the offensive line, but that's never going to happen, is it? Never as a Seahawks fan. So we'll go back round the room, and, and Kemp, I'll start with you again. But who do you think is is the the best overall pick uh, in this year's draft, and why? That's a tough one because this draft was um, was fantastic for a lot of teams, and one of the teams that this draft was fantastic for um, was the Philadelphia Eagles, who unfortunately in the NFC East got to the Super Bowl last season. Um, you mean the Georgia a, Bulldogs? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You could you could say that, um, but yeah, they they are um, a pretty dangerous outfit and. They scare me. They keep me up at night. They they haunt me in my dreams. Um, I think the best pick, pound for pound. <sighs> I don't know if you got you boys will agree, but that's what it's all about. I think Jalen Carter. I think he's a real dangerous weapon for the Eagles. If I was Daniel Jones, I'd be writing my obituary already. Um, he's going to be a real problem for every other team in the NFL. 
Um, the, the Eagles are a really decent outfit already, and a, a player like Jalen Carter, a, a top ten player, a top, top, top talent, a defensive tackle, is going to cause major, major problems for for all the franchises, and uh, I could potentially see Eagles going all the way this season. So Jalen Carter, for me, what what do you boys think? Solid pick, mate. Solid pick. Um, I'll so very quickly go just purely because Jalen Carter was my answer because it it's an embarrassment of riches at this point, isn't it? They've they've obviously got that number number ten pick off of uh, Saints. They've then moved up to take Carter with him, still being there at nine, and and yeah, then getting Nolan Smith at thirty. Yeah, it's, it's just an absolute embarrassment of riches. So just trying to give someone else. Um, I, I think maybe Dalton Kincaid for for the Bills, just another offensive weapon. He's a he's a fantastic receiving talent. So to give Josh Allen a weapon like that is again sort of if we're talking day one impact or overall rookie season impact, I think he can definitely definitely be up there. But yeah, Jalen Carter for me for the Eagles is just is ridiculous. Yeah, I want to go someone a little bit different as well. And I'm going to go Brian Branch for the Detroit Lions. Um, bit upset about this pick actually because that, that was that was our pick that was our second second round pick and we've traded back five spots um so we could take uh, Jaden Reed obviously receiver and the Lions then took Brian Branch uh, Brian Branch was considered the best safety in the draft and they've managed to take him in the in the second round so I think that's an absolute steal for them and it's probably one that we will end up regretting I think he's going to pick off Jordan Love a couple of times over his career you've uh, you've heard that here first I like it. I like it. Bold prediction for the masses. And, and Aggie, if you are you going to go with the consensus or is there someone else that you've got an eye on who can have a real, real major impact for the team that's picked them? Will Anderson. I think for the Texans to take CJ Stroud against what everyone expected and then to trade back into the, the top five and, and take Will Anderson as third option, all everyone was saying that the Texans are pretty much a side that just keep on trying to throw away the future, throw away the chances, and they never really replaced Deshaun Watson and, and JJ Watt when he he left uh, to the Cards, and then he trades with the Cards to get the third place and and take what could have been their replacement for him. Now he's retired, so I think for the Texans to take CJ Stroud and then get into third to take Will Anderson, they can just sit back and relax, knowing they've got a great piece on the defense and in a quarterback that can set them up for the future. So. It's gone from the Texans being a worry of they're never really going to look towards the future to two players that are going to be their future. How how do you feel about that uh, that trade up for for Anderson? Obviously, did they did they give up a next year's first as well for it? They did. They, they yeah. gave up a lot. Yeah, they gave it's up a lot to get there. Lot. They did give up quite a bit to get there, and I was surprised the Cards didn't take the opportunity to take Will Anderson themselves because I thought he'd be an excellent piece for them. I'm grateful that they didn't because of course now we don't have to face him twice a year. He was some people were expecting him to maybe go first overall, but um, before of course the trade from the Bears back to uh, the Panthers. Um, but I think overall the trade to get back into third place, they might have overpaid a little bit, but you've got your future all set there, haven't you? Breaking news: Brighton leading against Manchester United. Oh, oh is it, it full time? Oh, full time! Matt, Matt wow. Allister, ninety plus seventh penalty, is it? Ninety seventh oh, minute. Oh my goodness! Ninety mate. plus nine. Oh, even, even more so. Pretty Late drama. Time. So, just to put that into perspective, with two games in hand, Brighton can go two points clear into fifth place. With Man City against Man United in the final of the FA Cup, Brighton, whoever finishes in fifth place, will be in the Champions League next year. That's incredible. If, if they win the F- Champions The two League. games in hand. Right. But one of them one of them's against City, isn't it? Because City's game in hand left against Brighton. So Yeah, that's right. Will be, yeah. Might be a bit tough that one, but no fair. 
But no, I, I agree with you there, Aggie. It's it's a good pick. I I I I don't like how much they gave up overall, considering they were at the twelfth pick. That there would have been talent there. Would it have been talent as big or as uh, would have had as much of an impact as as Anderson? Probably not. We we never know until sort of three to five years down the line. But you know, you think about the other pieces they would have got down the line with those that they gave away. But I think it's a great trade for. For the cards, they use a little bit of that to move back up to to take Paris Johnson at uh, is it six maybe uh, six seven. six they moved six, up from yeah. the Lions yeah yeah so uh, of course I think Lions made that move after you guys taking with a spoon but uh, I don't blame them at all for that but all in all a lot of teams had a very very strong draft I think with evolution and how serious players take it we're, we're going to find as as we move on year on year draft classes getting deeper and and more talented but uh, yeah I think a very good first round for the majority of teams um, and yeah a very strong uh, quarterback class coming up next year lads so really uh, something to get stuck into at this time next year who's going to need a quarterback who's going to be in a position where they've got a very high pick but they don't need a quarterback and what potentially big trades could happen they've got it all cut to come again next year but like you said Kem unfortunately we've now got what about Five months of absolutely no NFL action whatsoever, and then we can start talking preseason, fantasy drafts, and and everything else like that as as we get ready to go back in and get back to our weekly reviews and previews. I can't wait, and uh, yeah, it, it was a good weekend overall, lads. I, I'm sure you'll all agree. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's uh, episode 47 in the books. Um, before we close off for the evening, let's just get some bank holiday weekend plans. Aggie, let's start with you, mate. What you got planned for the long weekend? I'm sure you will be front and centre celebrating the King's coronation. No, mate, I don't I don't know what I'm doing, to be fair. I haven't really planned anything ahead. On Sunday, I'm going to, uh, of course, the playoff, semi, uh, playoff semi-final. Yep, Chesterfield against Bromley. Hopefully seeing a win in the next Saturday on my way to Wembley. Um, Saturday, I'm probably just going to be chilling, doing practically nothing. And then Monday... The exact same day off work, isn't it? So, like it, Sam. What about you, mate? What you got planned uh, on your on your long weekend to end a long week off? Yeah, it's been been absolutely bliss. Uh, well, I, I will be actually surprised, and I will be watching the coronation. I uh, anything like that, I do try to you know take an hour hour out of my life and just witness a bit of uh, British history. So, I will be watching that Saturday with uh, some afternoon tea as Kate is putting together as she always does, um, and. I have just heard that the star, um, our local, our, me and Kemp's favourite watering hole is... Um, Kemp's eyes lit up then. You caught his attention. attention. Uh, they have got a band on Saturday night um, and it looked, looked through the set list, you know, playing a lot of The Who, The Killers and The Beatles, all that all that jazz. So um, I'm, I'm tempted to go to the star and, uh, and see what, what transpires there. What's your thoughts, Kemp? You didn't look too impressed. You looked impressed. Sounds and you good. Didn't look impressed. It sounds good. It does sound good, I must admit. But unfortunately, I am working on Saturday night. It is UFC 288. <laughs> uh, and if I go to the start, as Sam just mentioned, our favourite watering hole, I will be in bed and be no Absolutely. good to anybody by midnight. So no. unfortunately, we'll have to give that one a miss. But me personally, um, I'll try and get out and play a bit of golf on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, uh, I'm not sure. I think it will just be recovering from the UFC on Saturday night. Um, and then Adam has just mentioned Monday. Um, not sure, but we're going to try and see if we can get out to Guardians of the Galaxy at some Ooh, point. In that's cinema. tomorrow. That's for me that's tomorrow. tomorrow that's for you. Yeah, I have been looking at trying to do VIP in Sheffield for mm. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy this weekend. So um, availability permitting, we'll, we'll try and fit that in as well. So 
that's what we've got planned. Dawson, what about you? Um, well, just on the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'll be next weekend when I've got Tommy. So if you can avoid the spoilers, that'll be much appreciated. Oh, but uh, I know it's, it's, it's a it's a rookie error telling you that. But uh, no I'm, I'm conf- dying, don't you? Yeah, I'm confident <laughs> you you won't do it to me. But no, this weekend, um, going to Leeds, bit of a bit of a date weekend. I booked a hotel, booked trains, booked go karting, booked junkyard golf, going to Gaucho Sanford nice. for some very good steak that that you've said before. So. Number yeah, one ever. Number one ever. A huge statement. And I love steak, right. so I'm looking forward to that. Number one ranked. And then, yeah, Sunday, get back. Uh, book the train, like, specific train back. Moose coffee as well for breakfast Sunday. Can't wait for that. But, um, yeah, um, hopefully get back in time to purchase a couple of last-minute tickets for town. But we'll see. If not, I'll uh, I'll stick it on BT Sport. Little factoid for you on on Gorchiers. Um, me and Katie went. That was that we went. That was the night. Um, we got did you go to the Leeds one? Was it? Yeah, I feel like went, yeah. yeah, yeah. I went to that one. Um, you know it's posh. They come out and they bring out the um the cuts, the fresh cuts on a on a like board, and they show you yeah. the cuts like this is the oh. this, this is the this. And you know when you can smell the raw meat in it, the smell yeah. is like oh, be ready for it. Yeah. And I, I like oh yeah, I've got to have a bit of uh, ribeye obviously. Have a bit yeah. Of that. I'm going to have to take readers, aren't I, for that? I'm going to be in Yeah, yeah, in you're going to be right into it. Took, they took it away anyway. And um, Kate said, why did they do that? Like, they're just showing you fresh cuts, showing, obviously, our authentic them, you know. And, what do you mean? It, it, it was plastic, weren't it? She thought they got plastic <laughs> for that. I thought, I thought they were plastic moulds of fake steaks and they were just showing you what they look like. like you know what's brilliant, right? And I think we can all attest to this. You spend so much money taking your missus to a fancy place <laughs> and then they come out and say fucking stupid it. things like Waste. that. You just think, Absolutely what am I doing here with you? But I could be here with Dawson who absolutely uh, fucking thrives on it. Sam who's absolutely balls deep and I'm uh, here with this fucking bitch who's calling it plastic. <laughs> I was going to clip that, but probably not be useful now after this fucking bit. So we'll leave it in the we'll leave it in the episode uh, for those that are still Katie, with us. Katie, I love you to bits. I'm only going to be fucking bottle job. Well, yeah, lads, looking forward to it. Pleasure as always. Big weekend coming up, and uh, I think we can all agree for once after, especially after the uh, National League playoff match we had to watch earlier this week, lads, which we haven't discussed. Let's hope for a better one Sunday with town, and uh, hopefully a trip to Wembley, Aggie. Yep. Happy days. Have a good night, lads. In a bit, boys. Bye. Bye.